Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Biden administration is going all in on vaccine mandates requiring the jab for most federal employees and companies that employ more than 100 people. Friends, Dr. Fauci is not done with you yet. Take a look at the latest in the government's efforts to coerce us into getting the jab in tonight's Hold the Line. We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. Needless to say, the right of women to make decisions about their own bodies is not negotiable. No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. Our interest is very simple from the federal government, which is Americans' privacy and rights should be protected. It is a matter of privacy to know who is or who isn't. We don't want to be mandating from the federal government to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate. Perhaps the federal government should step in and issue mandates. And if not, are you putting the needs of unvaccinated people ahead of the needs of vaccinated people? I think the question here, one, that's not the role of the federal government. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. Hmm. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. What a difference a few months seems to make here, huh? They couldn't make you get the shot beginning of the year. They didn't agree with mandates to make you get the shot. These are Democrats. This is Biden. This is the whole apparatus of DNC control. And yet here we are. Now being told, no, you really must get the shot. Or you can have testing every week, but that'll probably be phased out so that you just have to get the shot anyway. Plus, irritating you into compliance is just another form of coercion, isn't it? Just when you thought maybe this is the last straw, this is the final tranche of mandates and and, uh, things being pushed upon you. No, remember, there's a whole next level. Um, uh, Dr. Fauci has already said that, they would be, that he would be willing to push for and go for, and that would be air travel and school vaccine mandates. Notably, anyone who's going to fly domestically would have to provide vaccination proof to get on a plane, full stop. And also, if you go on to go to school anywhere in the country, you'd have to be vaccinated against COVID. So children, little kids, would have to get it. Here's Fauci saying that, yeah, he would support that. If we get the overwhelming proportion of the population vaccinated, we will get to herd immunity. If we do it in the next six months, it will happen in the next six months. If we do it in the next two months, it'll happen in the next two months. I would support that if you want to get on a plane and travel with other people, that you should be vaccinated. When you hear us say, should you mandate vaccination for children to be able to attend school? Some people say, oh, my goodness, that would be terrible to do that. But we already do that and have been doing that 
for decades and decades. I don't know what school you went to, but the school that I went to, you had to be vaccinated for measles, mumps, rubella, polio, or otherwise you couldn't go to school. So it is not something new to mandate vaccines for school children. He wants to make your kids get the shot. And if you want to fly, he wants to make you get the shot as well, if you have not already. Look, I'm vaccinated. I know a lot of people, my whole family is vaccinated. It's not a question of being opposed to vaccines, but making people get the shot. That's the issue here. And while the Biden administration is engaging in this tremendous federal overreach saying you have to get the shot, there's little Fauci again telling everybody, oh, Biden is actually, you know, this is a a moment of moderation from him. Watch. Well, I think the president is, 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 you know, being somewhat moderate in his demand, if you want to call it that, in that there are some people who really don't want to get vaccinated, but they don't want to lose their job. You've got to give them an off lane. And the off lane is if you get tested frequently enough and find out you're positive, you won't come to work and you won't infect other people. So it really is somewhat of a compromise there. Myself, I would make it just vaccinate or not. But he was trying to be moderate in what his pronouncement was. Yeah, so Fauci is the hardline health authoritarian, you see. Biden is just right next to him on the scale, but hasn't gone quite as far as little lab coat tyrant Dr. Fauci would like him to. He's not the only one who's out there saying this kind of stuff as well. You're seeing a lot of these blue check on TV docs who want there to be even more stringent rules and regulations, all of which are meant to punish and isolate and ostracize the unvaccinated and because they really just don't like the unvaccinated. But remember, only the unvaccinated Trump supporters in red states, minorities who are unvaccinated, that's not their fault or their choice even. That's because the health system has failed them, they'll tell you. Oh, isn't that interesting? Here's Zeke Emanuel saying that for any of the, of the holdouts, again, white male Republican Trump voters in red states, beyond the point of convincing them. Is there another step for the holdouts? Or does it matter as long as we reach a, a certain threshold in this country when it comes to a vaccinated population? Well, you shouldn't be asking me, is there another step for the holdouts? I do think we've gone Mm -hmm. uh, the extra mile in trying to persuade them. Mm -hmm. And no one wants to go to force someone to do something, right? You prefer people do it voluntarily because they've been educated and it's been made easy. But we're beyond that point. Beyond that point, you see. No more Mr. Nice Guy, they're telling you. Well, you know, there's finally some real pushback and the other, t- the other team, the other side, so to speak, is running into some snags here and there, like this uh, CNN headline, for example, New York hospital to pause baby deliveries after resignations over COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Huh. You mean that people who work in the healthcare industry, many of whom have been exposed to COVID, probably all of them. And so a vast majority, if not all of them, also have antibodies already. And so they don't want to get a shot that they don't need. That actually makes perfect scientific sense. But when you start having healthcare workers walk out, that's an issue. When you have to pause baby deliveries because of so many resignations from healthcare workers who do not want to be mandated to get the shot, that kind of tells you something. And then there's the best governor in America, Governor Ron DeSantis, saying that There's a $5,000 fine in his state of Florida going into effect for agencies that mandate vaccines. 
if a government agency in the state of Florida uh, forces uh, a vaccine as a condition to employment, that violates Florida law. And you will face... And you will face a $5,000 fine for every single violation. That's the kind of pushback that we need to see. That's what state governors, red state governors, Republicans need to do in order to stop this overreach and this authoritarianism from continuing. Again, people want to get the shot, get the shot. They're free, they're everywhere, they're all over the place. But when the government starts saying, you must get this shot, even if you have natural immunity, even if you have a very specific and very reasonable uh, position as to why you don't want to get the shot, they don't care. Why should your kids who are at almost no risk whatsoever from COVID have to get the shot? They don't care. Shut up and get it. That's what they tell you. This is why Representative Chip Roy is straight up saying, just don't follow. He's saying nullify the executive order on mandates where you have to. The fact of the matter is the president of the United States does not have this power. And I am saying to all of my constituents, to the governor of Texas, do not follow this executive order. Do not fear the power of the federal government. Stand up along your neighbors, your communities, your friends, and say no. If you're in a small business in Texas or anywhere else in this country, don't believe you have to listen to an unconstitutional, unlawful order from the president of the United States. You do not. All right, coming up, we'll have more on the push for the federal vaccine mandate with the co-publisher of Human Events, Will Chamberlain. Right now, I want to tell you about my friends at Done For You Real Estate. If you ever thought about real estate investing, take me up on this recommendation. Visit doneforyoubuck.com. You can learn more about my friends at Done For You Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have a way to make real estate investing straightforward, and their system works. I know because I'm using it. It allows everyday, hardworking Americans like you and me to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't tell you in strong enough terms during this quick commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For You Real Estate, where you can hear my personal experience with their company in my own words. I'll tell you about it in detail. Picking the city, the house, getting the broker, the loan, even getting a tenant in place so I get free cash flow coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. Will Chamberlain from Human Events joins us in a moment. You've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. That was President Joe Biden last week with a warning to those who still refuse to get vaccinated. With mandates rolling out across the country, Biden appears to be abandoning efforts to persuade the vaccine hesitant, choosing instead to divide Americans, turning the vaccinated and the unvaccinated against each other. So what does the White House hope to achieve with this divisive rhetoric? Joining me now, co-publisher of Human Events, Will Chamberlain. Will, good to see you. Good to be with you, Buck, as always. All right, so what do you think the strategy really is here, Will? What are the calculations that are going into the new Biden approach, which is get vaccinated or we hate you and we'll make your lives miserable? I think it's twofold. I think, one, it's sort of a, a kind of lashing out from people in the Biden administration, like a, a lashing out that they have not successfully persuaded some portions of the population to get vaccinated as much as they could. 
Um, and it's rooted in a concession that they have failed to persuade people, which is really quite shocking given that the actual underlying facts of the matter lean towards generally most people should be probably getting vaccinated. Uh, I mean, I personally have antibodies because I have a prior infection. I haven't been vaccinated. But, you know, I've looked at the statistics, and if it weren't for that, I, I think it's probably a no-brainer. Um, but the fact that the Biden administration can't even persuade people of that, I think they're just lashing out in anger. And I think the second thing is also obviously to distract from the failure of the Afghanistan withdrawal. Um, the decision to do something this dramatic is an easy way to change the conversation as it kind of has. Afghanistan has receded in the news cycle over the past few days. And I think it really is pretty pretty cynical. I mean, these 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 people all see themselves as sort of West Wing expert comms professionals, you know, Aaron Sorkin types. And I, I think they thought it was a strategic move to to take away from, to distract people from the Afghanistan withdrawal, appalling to maybe. At least 75% of eligible Americans have gotten the vaccine. So what does this kind of rhetoric you're hearing from the administration say to people about the effectiveness of the vaccines? The vaccinated people have to be protected from the unvaccinated will. This is what they're saying now. We need to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. That seems right, right. weird yeah, to people sitting around saying, hold on a second, I thought the vaccine protects you. Well, that's substantively anti-vax rhetoric, right? Because that's indicting the underlying effectiveness of the vaccine. People, you know, the, the way to frame this and the way it's been done with every vaccine in the past, to my knowledge, is that if you're trying to make a sort of public health, you know, uh, good Samaritan argument for taking the vaccine, it's that it protects the people who can't take the vaccine for some reason, right? The immunocompromised. But here they're saying we need to coerce the unvaccinated to take the vaccine to protect the vaccinated. Well, uh, by that logic, then it suggests that the vaccine is not sufficient to protect the vaccinated, which is exactly the argument made by anti-vax proponents. Um, I, I think it's 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 not only, but it's not only substantively anti-vax rhetoric. It's also very Manichian. Um, this sort of good evil, like you know, it's funny we had George Bush back on the stage last week, but this you know sort of good evil dichotomy, us versus them. Except now it's us versus other Americans. It's it's actually pretty gross. Former FDA commissioner and a guy that you see talking about this stuff on TV all the time. I think he's on the board of Pfizer too, but I have to check on that. Scott Gottlieb, he has said that vaccine mandates could actually discourage vaccination in the near term. I wanted you to react to this. I think the oh, I, I um, downside of this mandate in terms of hardening positions and taking something that was subtly political and making it overtly political could outweigh any of the benefits that we hope to achieve. If you look at where we are right now, right now, 75 percent of adults over the age of 18 have had at least one dose of the vaccine. Most of them will complete the series. That's a very high number of people vaccinated owing to the good work of the Biden administration. We're not going to get above 90 percent. We don't even really reach 90 percent with childhood immunizations, which are mandated. So we're going to get somewhere between 80 and 90 percent. I, I would state that we would have gotten to 80 percent just on our current trajectory in short order. In the near term, a lot of businesses that might have mandated vaccines are now going to sit on their hands and say, I'm going to wait for OSHA to tell me just how to do it right. and give me more political cover. So in the near term, you could actually discourage some vaccination. Can, can you just, yeah, make some sense of that for us, Will? Uh, I mean, I think it's exactly right. I mean, he, he's right to say that this will discourage vaccination. I think nothing could do more to make, you've managed to make not getting a vaccine a statement of rebellion or resistance against the administration, which half the country is extremely wide open to for good reason, given how obnoxious this administration is. I mean, if you were thinking about it from a global public health perspective and, you, and you're trying to achieve the goal of getting more people vaccinated, this is exactly the wrong thing to do, right? Given how many people are already vaccinated, you, the persuasion is far more effective than coercion, just, just obviously. Um, and so that also kind of leads into the cynical 
the only reading of this is that it's very cynical because if they were actually just purely focused on public health, this would be what they do. But they have political purposes here. They really wanted to change the conversation. They want to mobilize their base against Republicans and sort of you know, be defending the neurotic hypochondriacs of the world who think that despite their vaccination, they they can't go out in public because other people remain unvaccinated. Um, I mean, it's just it's just gross and appalling all around. I, I think the Biden administration should be deeply ashamed of itself. And you're a lawyer, Will. I'm just wondering, what do you think about how these mandates will do in court? I've seen the the Daily Wire, I believe the Blaze, a number of conservative media outlets that have more than 100 employees have said. We will fight this in every way we can, in every venue we can. Uh, how do you how do you see this going? I mean, the federal government just saying everyone's got to get this shot. I know there are, there are a lot of arguments on both sides. Yeah, I, I think it's a close question. Actually, this isn't like the CDC's eviction moratorium where it was very clearly unlawful and that was going to very obviously get struck down. You know, what business did the CDC have telling a landlord um, that he can't rent something to his tenant? Their disease control, not rent control. Um, but this is a little different. OSHA does actually deal with workplace health and safety, and they do have other regulations relating to viruses. So, you know, if you're actually trying to bet on this, maybe I think you'd probably bet that this would get overturned and found unlawful, but you wouldn't you wouldn't bet your house on it, right? You know, maybe it's 60, 40, you know, two to one chance or something like that, but nothing, nothing dramatic because there there actually is a statute, a federal statute that gives the government this authority. I think the most likely scenario is that it gets overturned on kind of more narrow grounds, um, given that it doesn't have an exemption for remote workers and it doesn't have an exemption for people with natural immunity. Those kind of things matter um, when you're judging whether or not a regulation is arbitrary and capricious, which would be the standard um, to strike it down. Do you think the Biden administration is going to go further? I mean, Dr. Fauci, of course, has said, yeah, he would support airline vax mandates. If we see a pretty considerable surge or maybe even just a continuation of cases and hospitalizations where we are now into the wintertime, you think the federal government's going to get even more heavy handed? Oh, of course. I mean, you know, back when Republicans were thinking about, you know, passing the national emergency, people said, oh, what about the precedent we'll set? Well, Democrats do unprecedented things all the time. So that's kind of we're seeing more and more examples of that now. Uh, The eviction moratorium was just a demonstration they couldn't care less about whether something violates the law or not. They're just going to do it if they think it's politically popular or it'll score them political points. So if you're if you're trying to predict whether or not they're going to be more aggressive, you know, of course they're going to be more aggressive. I mean, the only the only world in which they stop being aggressive is one in which the pandemic goes away. Um, otherwise, they just from their perspective, even if what they do is found to be unlawful, they, you know they'll get points with again the sort of crazy hypochondriac base that says at least you tried. Will, thanks so much for being with us. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Anthony Blinken was on Capitol Hill today to answer for the Biden administration's failure in Afghanistan. Let's take a deep dive into what he said with senior editor of Human Events Jack Posoba coming up here. But first, let's talk about investing, specifically in the crypto market. Crypto is heating up. A lot of people want to get on the action, but it's not easy to get started if you've never done it before. That's why Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, created My Digital Money. This is an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with incredible customer service. They'll answer all your questions. They'll help you get set up quickly. They also offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit losses without having to watch your account 24-7, a play money account so you can test the market without risking your money, and with some digital currencies nearing all-time highs, this might be the best time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. 
When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back and speak to you honestly. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Earlier today, Secretary of State Antony Blinken testified before the House Foreign Affairs Committee in regards to the disastrous U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. American citizens and Afghan allies remain stranded in the Taliban-controlled country. Members of Congress are seeking answers as to why the evacuation went so wrong. Take a look. When President Biden took office in January, he inherited an agreement that his predecessor had reached with the Taliban to remove all remaining forces from Afghanistan by May 1st of this year. The previous administration pressed the Afghan government to release 5,000 Taliban prisoners, including some top war commanders. Meanwhile, it reduced our own force presence to 2,500 troops. By January 2021, the Taliban was in the strongest military position it had been in since 9-11. And we have the smallest number of troops on the ground. President Biden immediately faced the choice between ending the war or escalating it. Had he not followed through on his predecessor's commitment, attacks on our forces and those of our allies would have resumed, and the Taliban's nationwide assaults on Afghanistan's major cities would have commenced. Lots of fireworks and a whole lot more finger-pointing, something we should all expect from the Biden administration. Some Republicans are going so far as to call for Biden, Vice President Harris, and, and Blinken to resign, and not without reason. Jack Posobiec is the senior editor at Human Events. He joins me now to discuss. Jack, great to have you. Buck, always a pleasure. So what are we to make of these hearings so far? I mean, we're calling for resignations, but I feel like none of us think they'll actually happen. Is this what accountability looks like, Jack? A little bit of theatrics on TV on Capitol Hill, and then the people in power keep their jobs? 
Well, I think we're going to see a little bit more even from Blinken as the hearings continue. And remember, tomorrow he's going before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee where he's going to be faced with Rand Paul and Ted Cruz. And we know specifically with uh, if you look at the dust ups between Rand Paul and Fauci, how they've gone. This is going to be big because he is like a dog with a bone when it comes to these guys. When it comes down to it, you know, we can talk all we, all we want about the Department of Defense's failures and Millie's failures, and they are many. But really, Really, it's Tony Blinken's job. It was his job to evacuate the Americans. It's his fault that there are Americans right now still behind enemy lines there in Afghanistan. It is on him the fact that he pulled, and Vanity Fair reported this, National uh, Pulse reported this, he pulled the transition crisis response plan that Pompeo had left uh, from State Department. And you've got people inside the building there, in the inside the diplomatic security services that are saying, why did you cancel that plan? Why did you get rid of this? This is specifically stood up in the wake of Benghazi so that we'd never have this situation again. Yeah, now we had that from, okay, State Department officials were able to get out, but what about everybody who's working at the embassy? And what about all these other SIVs? And how come you, he just admitted today that 60, thousand Afghan refugees came out that didn't even meet the criteria for the special immigrant visas. People were just showing up to the airport and getting on the airplane, right? And we know that this was completely unvetted. So all of this does remain on Tony Blinken's shoulders. And we know, of course, that behind the scenes, people inside Foggy Bottom, inside the State Department have lost a lot of confidence with him. And from what I hear, he's even on increasingly shaky ground with the White House itself. Representative McCall to uh, or, or said this to Blinken today on Capitol Hill. Play it. The situation we find ourselves in is far worse, in my judgment, as a former chairman of Homeland Security Committee, far worse than pre-9/11. We abandoned Americans behind enemy lines. We left behind the interpreters, who you, Mr. Secretary, and the President both promised to protect. I can summarize this in one word, betrayal. In April, President Biden promised, quote, we will not conduct a hasty rush to the exit, and we will do it responsibly, deliberately, and safely. But that promise was broken. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of the United States Embassy in Afghanistan. That promise was also broken. Is it going to matter, Jack? Is anyone actually going to be held accountable? You think the American people will even in the midterm elections remember this so that the Democrats, the Biden administration, through the electoral losses they could sustain, would actually learn a lesson here? Or what do you think? Well, you know, I actually am a believer in the people, you know, I'm not one of those, even though I'm here in Washington, DC, I'm not one of the folks around here that thinks that the rest of the country is just a bunch of flyover states. No, because I've been out there in middle America. I'm from Pennsylvania myself. These people are smart. They know what's going on and they don't like losing. They don't like General Patton said it in his famous speech to the third army right before Normandy. The Americans do not like losing. The idea of losing is hateful to an American. That's why Biden's polls went down. That's why he's pushing the vaccine stuff now. He's trying to distract from these failures. He's trying to distract from the American military under him, under his guidance, being humiliated on the world stage. Of course, China sees it. They want to backfill us in Afghanistan. And they're now talking about putting fighter jet sorties over the island of Taiwan. Jack, you had a tweet uh, earlier today about Blinken talking uh, trash behind his White House colleagues' backs. Here's the tweet. 
Republicans have audio, uh, an audio recording of Tony Blinken at an East Hampton gathering, of course, uh, the weekend that Kabul fell. In the recording, Blinken is heard making several disparaging comments about the most senior members of the Biden administration. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, so from what I've been told in terms of this thing, um, that it's something where uh, House leadership has it, or Republican leadership, I should say, has it. Uh, when I say senior members, um, what I was told is, Jack, when we say senior members, emphasis on senior, if you know what I mean. Um, and that specifically what he was talking about, Blinken, was in a sense that he doesn't think that the head of the White House is really the one who's making these choices. He himself is rather enacting those decisions on his own. Uh, and essentially he was kind of bragging about that. You know, it's funny because actually since I put that tweet up, um, I've had people, other people reach out to me and say, you know what, I've heard very similar things that he was saying behind the president's back also in that, you know, sort of East, East Hampton's atmosphere, possibly even at the same dinner. This was a big, you know, fundraiser donor type, uh, type dinner. We know that he was out there the weekend of August 15th in the East Hamptons. Uh, that, of course, was when, or the town of East Hampton, rather, when the when Kabul fell. And of course, Joe Biden was out off in Wilmington. They both had to be called back to Washington because they couldn't be bothered with that while they were on vacation. Jack, I also want to get your take on what former president, Republican President George W. Bush said over the weekend. We're commemorating the 20th anniversary, uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11. There were a lot of leftists who were saying January 6th was just like 9-11 or 9-11 or led to January 6th. Some even said that January 6th was worse, which, I mean, those people are, are certifiably insane. But nonetheless, George W. Bush seemed to join them in making some kind of a comparison here. This is from The weekend. We have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdainful pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit, and it is our continuing duty to confront them. Insurrectionist, Jack. That's what he's talking about. That's why he said there's no cultural similarity Quite clear, I think, what the implication was here. You know, I'm often reminded of the fact that George W. Bush, in the wake of 9-11, what does he do? He doesn't say we're going to go after radical Islam, we're going to go after Islamism as an ideology, a radical ideology. No, he says go shopping and we need to be compassionate conservatives and we're not going to talk about these things. And instead he called it the war on terror, the war on a tactic. And again, he's doing the same thing here. He's not talking about the American citizens who, of course, you want to talk about the January 6th riot, you can say, well, they were upset about what they perceived as an injustice regarding the election of 2020, all right? That's their position. Uh, let's be accurate. The Islamists who attacked us on 9-11 were doing so because they wanted to strike a blow at the West because they didn't want America meddling in the Middle East anymore. They didn't want America having its relationship with Saudi Arabia. They didn't want America building pipelines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And because they believe in a final confrontation with the West because they believe in radical Islam. But George W. Bush would never say those things. And you know, it's funny because you know you go back to the left and they were all celebrating 
treating him this weekend. When I go back and I, I remember some of the things that like Michael Moore used to say about yeah. him. I, I thought he was Reed a war. I thought he was a war criminal, Jack, and that George W. Bush right. should spend the rest so of his days in prison. This guy was Hitler. And so I, I think it's just absolutely hilarious that he views everything, even 9-11 today. And now this, of course, through the lens of himself, through the lens of the elites, this shows you just how are absolutely removed. He is from the actual working families, the men and women that make up the great backbone of this country. Jack Basobic, everybody. Jack, always good to see you, my friend. Buck Sexton, always a pleasure, my commander. New investigation from the New York Times is casting doubt on the Pentagon's claim that it killed would-be uh, would terrorists in a drone strike following the bombing at Kabul International Airport last month. Senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, Thomas Jocelyn, joins us with the details when we return. Right now, let's talk about the most valuable asset you own, your home. I mean, how much equity do you have in your home? 50,000, 100,000, more? Cybercrime experts are alerting homeowners that the more equity you have, the greater the chance foreign and domestic criminals will come after you. Home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes out there. In fact, Home Title Lock, America's leader in home title protection, is alerting homeowners they could already be a victim and not know it. Here's how it goes down. First, cyber thieves search hundreds of public databases for high equity homes. Then they pull your home's online title, forge your signature stating you sold your home, and take out loans using your equity. They're not covered by insurance, your bank, or common identity theft programs. Protect your most valuable asset. Register your address now to see if you're already a victim and receive a complete title history of your home, a $100 value, free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. A new chapter of America's engagement with Afghanistan has begun. It's one in which we will lead with our diplomacy. The military mission is over. A new diplomatic mission has begun. New York Times recently reported the drone strike we were told that took out an ISIS facilitator in Afghanistan actually killed a U.S.-affiliated aid worker and nine others, including seven children and much of his family. The car that the Pentagon told us was filled with explosives was actually full of water jugs uh, that the aid worker, Zamari Ahmadi, was loading into his truck to bring home to his family. As if Biden's chaotic withdrawal from the region couldn't get any worse, the final act of the U.S. war in Afghanistan was apparently mistakenly killing an aid worker returning to his family. Here with Reaction, Senior Fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies and Senior Editor of the Long War Journal, Thomas Jocelyn. Uh, I think it's important for our audience to hear the Pentagon and Jen Psaki's initial comments about the drone strike, uh, Thomas, just two weeks ago. Play it. This self-defense strike successfully hit the target near Kabul airport. Significant secondary explosions from the targeted vehicle indicated the presence of a substantial amount of Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. 
Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Explosive uh, material. I will note that in the CENTCOM statement that they put out yesterday, what they last night, I should say, uh, what they noted is that there was also the explosion, there were explosives in this vehicle that could have led to additional damage. What do you make of what they said? Well, you know, I think the investigation by the time shows that it almost certainly was water, not explosives that uh, the aid worker was carrying and that um, it didn't look to us when you look at the video like he was carrying uh, gasoline or explosives or anything that would be heavy at all. I and mean, I think there's there's a lot of open questions here. But um, so far, I don't see any reason to trust the government's narrative when it comes to this drone strike. I think there's a, plenty of evidence now to look at this and say that this probably was a mistaken airstrike. And it shows you the perils of trying this over the horizon strategy that the Biden administration is going to go with. They Even before the U.S. had fully gotten out of Kabul, they apparently had an erring drone strike that killed a bunch of civilians. Yeah, it seems as though there also was real political pressure from the very top, from the White House, from the president, the commander in chief. He gave a speech in which he said, we're going to hold the people responsible uh, for this who were involved in the initial bombing, right, that killed 13 of our service members. And then also claimed that they would take every action to stop the next one. So they blew up a car full of innocent people is what it seems to be. I mean, is there, would you say the preponderance of the evidence, Thomas, at this point is on that as the reality of what happened? Yeah, you know, I mean, looking at the evidence that's available to me right now, um, I think the preponderance of evidence shows that it was the civilians that were killed, not ISIS guys. Look, you know, when they responded to the ISIS suicide bombing outside the Kabul airport, they launched one airstrike in Nangarhar in eastern Afghanistan. Didn't give us very many details about who they targeted there, but it was hardly a forceful response. Um, and then they killed a bunch of civilians, apparently, in Kabul. So this was not exactly, um, you know, a moment of triumph for the American or the Biden administration when it comes to countering terrorism. You know, and Buck, look, this is all in the context of a really an unfathomable, you know, uh, debacle here in Afghanistan across administrations in which the United States went into Afghanistan in 2001 to dislodge the Taliban's Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan and Al-Qaeda. And now we have 20 years later, the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan is back in power, in force, with a better military, a better fighting force, and never for one day did they break with al-Qaeda. In fact, there's plenty of evidence that we've mustered at Long War Journal showing al-Qaeda is all throughout the country. This has been a failure of leadership, which the American people really need to uh, demand accountability for, I think, over the long run. And we have to make sure that this type of thing doesn't happen again, because this has really been a feckless war. You know, you mentioned the lack of details about that drone strike in eastern Afghanistan in Nangarhar province. And here's uh, Pentagon spokesman Kirby. This is you know, a little bit of a throwback a couple of weeks ago saying that they would not confirm who they struck that they say was responsible. Play it. Are you able yeah. to, con to confirm uh, or will you be able to confirm at any point um, the people's names or identities uh, uh, of those killed in the two drone strikes uh, targeting um, uh, alleged ISIS uh, militants in the last days of before the withdrawal was complete. Thanks. Hey, Phil, thanks. Uh, what I can say is I, I cannot confirm them at this time. They haven't confirmed them since, as far as I understand. And I got to tell you, having worked at the CIA, knowing who did a suicide bombing with the specificity that you're going to go do an airstrike two days later, uh, that's really fast and specific intelligence work. Yeah, well, you know, look, 
ISIS, we know that ISIS has strongholds in Nangahar. So there are known ISIS targets in Nangahar to hit. That's probably what they did. They probably went with a package saying, we're going to go after known ISIS tar targets in Eastern Afghanistan. And guys that they suspected may have been involved in the bombing, but whether they, they could actually prove that, who knows? Um, or show that that quickly, as you said, who knows? But look, you know, in the grand scheme of things, grand context here, ISIS is a nasty organization. They claimed responsibility for this bombing. They killed 13 American service members and wounded more than a dozen others and, and potentially killed hundreds of other people outside the Kabul airport. The casualty count keeps rising. Um, you know, ISIS is a terrible, nasty organization, but the US government became so myopically focused on ISIS in Afghanistan that they basically rolled over as the Taliban and its longest ally, Al Qaeda, took over the country. The American policy for several years now has been so completely confused. Actually, I would say for a better part of a decade, has been so confused in Afghanistan that many people in the American government stopped believing the Taliban was our enemy and thought of it almost as a partner for America. And this is really insane. I mean, if you know anything about the Taliban, you know that they were ISIS before ISIS. And there's actually even some evidence that the Taliban has been facilitating ISIS attacks in Kabul and elsewhere during the war and potentially even this one on the Kabul airport. So, you know, it just speaks to me of the um, completely feckless leadership in a lost war. Thomas, appreciate you being with us, man. Good to see you. Thanks, Buck. California's recall election just one day away. Republican candidate Larry Elder had a surprising Hollywood actress endorse him over the weekend. Find out who it is and what she said coming up in quick hits. But first, people want to get involved in crypto these days. Bitcoin, Ethereum, dozens of digital coins, and they can have huge moves up, as you know. It's not easy to get started, though. That's where my digital money comes in. This is an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with top-tier customer service. They'll help you get started. They'll answer your phone calls. They'll make it easy for you. They've also got an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins. And you can even get a Play Money account set up so you can test the market a little bit without risking any actual cash. Crypto market's heating up again. This might be the best time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. Quick hits are up next. Stay with us. An MSNBC host says MAGA supporters are a bigger terror threat than the Taliban and San Francisco car owners plead with carjackers not to break into their cars. It's time for quick hits. Let's get to it. You saw a lot of this over the weekend. It's troubling, but not unexpected. Where people take the 20-year memorial about 9-11, the terror attack that killed almost 3,000 Americans in one day, could have killed tens of thousands more. Uh, set us off into a global war on terror, multiple wars, foreign wars resulting from this chain of events. And Jonathan Capehart of MSNBC wants you to know that the real threat are uh, Trump supporters who are domestic terrorists. This is what he says. What I hear you saying is that other forces have changed politics more since 9-11 than 9-11. Oh, I think so. I think um, MAGA and the domestic terror threat is much more worrisome than any foreign threat we could face. That we could face. Notice how he says that, that we could face. Yes, yes. The, uh, the selfie-taking grandmas and you know, average Americans who got caught up in a riot on January 6th and didn't actually kill anybody and weren't even armed, uh, they're much more terrifying than jihadists from entities like ISIS and Al-Qaeda who have killed thousands and thousands and thousands of people over the last 20 years. And if they could, would set off a nuclear device in a major US city. But you know, 
potato, potato, I guess, right? This is what they think over at MSNBC. It is utter madness, but we come up against this a lot. Speaking of madness, Joe Biden, the whole situation's pretty sad. This is the commander in chief that we're supposed to listen to this guy or think that he has good thoughts to share in general. Here he is at a 9-11 memorial event. This idea that, you know, what do you want to do with Biden? I want to box him. I should be so lucky. You know what I mean? But it is the, the, the kinds of things or, you know, stuff that is coming out of Florida, stuff that's coming out of, you know, Robert E. Lee had been in Afghanistan. You're the one. No, anyway, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you too much. What the heck is he talking about? I mean, it just, does it matter to anybody that this is the, the president just just blathers on and it's like he's not even really there sometimes, like something's not really, you know, clicking up top here. Just wondering. Also, why is he wearing a mask outside? We all know it's all oh, masks for good people. It's stupid. They don't do anything outside. They're not needed outside. It's ridiculous. But got to wear that black mask all the time to show everybody, you know, what team he's playing on, Team Lunacy. Um, but yeah, this is, the, this is the current commander in chief. This was an interesting story out of California. As you know, there's a big recall election coming up. It's just a matter of days away. And Governor Gavin Newsom of California could lose his job, which would just be a good thing for, well, certainly truth, justice, and the people of California. But they're fighting very hard to keep him there. An interesting ally in the recall Newsom effort is actress Rose McGowan, who is part of the Me Too movement, uh, had allegations against Harvey Weinstein, and also came out to tell a story about Gavin Newsom's wife, the governor's wife, trying to buy off Rose McGowan to stop her allegations against Harvey Weinstein. And now Rose McGowan has come out and endorsed Larry Elder. Finally, I have to come to the point where I'm not a Democrat because everybody who's systematically traumatized, terrorized, harassed, stopped and stolen from me during my time in California and in Hollywood has been a Democrat. What a bummer. But what I do is tell the truth. It doesn't give me pleasure. Believe me. I used to listen to Larry Elder after I would uh, drive home from the set or if I got off early. I would listen to him on AM radio 640. Probably the only actress in Hollywood doing so. So I ask you today, do you want to keep living this collective lie? Do you want to star in their movie? Or do you want to be real? Do I agree with him on all points? No. So what? He is the better candidate. He is the better man. The better candidate, the better man. Well said. She's saying is true. I hope the people, enough of the people of California See it that way as well, that uh, Larry becomes the next governor there. Just a quick one here. Two signs in two different cars in San Francisco. The first sign, please don't break my window. There are no valuables in the car, I promise. Ask the last two people that broke into this car this month. The second sign, please don't break the window, nothing inside. Uh, I mean, people are just desperate. There's so much property crime in San Francisco. And... Police department there is not going to do anything about it. San Francisco, this is what happens. You let the libs run things. It doesn't go well. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.